You are listening to Pursue Media Minutes. Two steps forward, one step back. China, the Middle East, and Africa. Xi Jinping's recent visit to Saudi Arabia and his high-level meetings with representatives from the GCC and various Arab states suggests that China's Belt and Road Initiative BRI, investment will continue to grow in certain strategic areas, notably in the countries of the Persian Gulf. Although China's engagement with Iranian rival Saudi Arabia has again raised doubts in Iran, especially among reformist critics of the government and its pro-China policy, this does not mean that Iran has been sidelined by Beijing. Iran remains an important potential transit point for Chinese goods bound for Europe, a source of oil, and an important geostrategic partner against the US. Investment in Iran, however, continues to be held back by a lack of political stability, a difficult investment environment due to sanctions, and a poor record of profitable returns. While most media commentators chalk up Xi's visit as another example of China's inexorable global expansion, a closer look at troubles brewing in BRI countries tells a more complex story. While investments have spiked in the oil-rich nations adjacent to the Gulf, BRI investment around the globe, including in the Middle East, has slowed considerably in recent years. And Iran is just one case in point. Africa is another. China's experience in Africa, for example, suggest Beijing's global ambitions will are already running into a wall of uncooperative political and economic realities. A recent report released by Chatham House analyzes the challenges facing Chinese investment in Africa, where 22 low-income countries struggle to service their international debt, of which China holds 12%, for a total of about $696 billion. Financial news outlet Bloomberg has characterized the situation as China having made a debt trap for itself, as bad investments pile up and fail to generate profits. Reports also indicate that Chinese credit in Africa has dried up in recent years, as China refuses to continue to throw good money after bad. Some countries, like Côte d'Ivoire and Djibouti, have had successful and beneficial engagement with the Chinese state and its financial support. Others, like Zambia, Angola, Kenya, and the Republic of the Congo have been mired in corruption and financial mismanagement fueled in part by Chinese capital. However, the Chatham House report is careful to point out that China did not cause African debt distress in most cases, and is not inherently predatory. It also demonstrates that China is not seizing property or assets as some proponents of the debt trap theory have suggested, but rather has become the leading provider of debt restructuring and debt relief in Africa. This means that many Chinese projects have become a liability rather than generating a profit. Of course, looking at the Chinese press, one would never know there were any problems at all. The Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs has repeatedly rejected the notion of debt trap diplomacy and points out that the West, especially private debtors, own 30 to 40 percent of African debt, making them the primary stakeholders, not China. Wu Peng, director of the African Department, pointed out last month that China supports the reduction of the debt burden of African countries and actively implements the initiative of the G20 to suspend debt repayments for the poorest countries, and that, among the G20 members, China's has suspended the largest amount of debt. State media like Xinhua frequently publish articles that highlight the West's role in Africa's financial troubles and positive examples of Sino-African cooperation. Outreach and investment in Africa will likely continue, 
as shown by a local delegation from Hunan province to Mozambique, Tanzania, and Madagascar that was just announced on December 10. But in real terms, investment in Africa will likely continue to decline and refocus on profitable investments. Despite Beijing's upbeat tone, the scaling back in Africa, and the failure to follow through on investment in Iran, is consistent with Xi's so-called dual-circulation strategy outlined in his address at the 20th Party Congress in October. Basically, the idea is to balance China's foreign trade with developing national industry, with a focus on quality global investments. As such, it was a tacit admission that the previous BRI investment strategy at least needed adjustment. This is good news for BRI nations who have their acts together, bad news for nations like Iran and those in Africa who don't. It is also a cautionary tale that fears of China's unobstructed rise to global dominance need some perspective. Pursue Media provides media research, open-source intelligence, analysis, AI-driven analytics, and strategic communications consultancy. For more information, please get in touch with us.